0: You're listening to audio from the Cathedral Church of the Advent in Birmingham, Alabama, a church with a heart for the gospel. Find out more at adventbirmingham.org. Father in heaven, we do come before you asking now with open hearts and open minds, open hands, that the Holy Spirit would be working in our midst. I pray that the preaching of your word would be your word for the sake and glory of your son, Jesus Christ. In his name we pray, amen. You may be seated. I want to look at Ephesians this morning, which was uh, one of our readings for for the day. And we're going to talk a little bit about Ephesians 4. And then I'll also make a reference to 1 Thessalonians. If you want to put a finger there, if you've got your Bible out, we'll go to 1 Thessalonians 5 in just a few moments. Leading up to the passage in Ephesians, Paul's written on subjects such as thankfulness and prayer, God's grace through faith, unity in Christ. The mystery of the gospel revealed and then more unity in Christ and now the topic of new life in Jesus. What does it look like to uh, allow the Holy Spirit to work in the newness that comes through Jesus Christ? In verses 23 and 24, which were not part of our reading this morning, Paul writes, "...to be renewed in the spirit of your minds, to put on the new self, created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness." If we draw from these verses this morning, we indeed are to live into a new creation. It actually sets the church of Jesus up to be poised for such a time as this. Because what it does is shape us, molds us, and puts us in this moment in history to allow the Holy Spirit to work for his glory and for our good. But let's be clear, Paul is very clear in saying we have to be willing to allow the Spirit to move in us In such a way that it makes this happen. He says in verse thirty, which we'll come to in just a moment, that we have the ability to grieve the Holy Spirit, to quench the Holy Spirit. What does that look like? Well, hold off, let me let me get there. I want to talk a little bit about the Holy Spirit this morning. I know that pulling on that third person of the Trinity can be a little uncomfortable for some of us because we very rarely talk about him. At least if we do, it's in a vague sense, and we don't have a complete understanding of the Holy Spirit. And so I want to use the Holy Spirit and begin to speak in how he might work in our lives this morning. We are indeed good with God the Father, God the Son, Jesus. But let's be honest, if we're to be really comfortable, we'd like to rename the Trinity and say the Father, Son, and the Holy Scriptures, right? So what does this Holy Spirit, what what does the Holy Spirit do in our lives? How does the Holy Spirit transform us? Our minds immediately go when we begin to talk about the Holy Spirit to some charismatic thought. Speaking in tongues or prophecies. And indeed, he does work in those instances in Scripture, but we're not limited to such things. If we want to be the people of God who reflect the character of God, we have to embrace the whole Trinity because it's what the Scripture gives us. The Holy Spirit is not an energy, he's not some sort of version of the Force from Star Wars. He's not a wind or a fire, although he is described as wind and fire because those are things that he does. But he is so much greater than those things. The Spirit is God, the third person of the Trinity. So to understand who God is is to understand the Holy Spirit and not grieve him. What does that mean? This will make some of you happy. I only have one point this morning. One point. That's all we're going to focus on. That point is this. The Holy Spirit does the work of illumination. He does the work of showing you your sin in order that you might draw near to God because of his initiating. The Spirit of God draws you by showing you your sin and showing you how wonderful Jesus is. None of us became a Christian by making a pros and cons list. You became a Christian because of the work of the Spirit. Now, you may say, I'm a Christian because of Jesus. Absolutely. But know that the Holy Spirit is all about some Jesus. He's pointing to Jesus in his work and all that he does. He's always pointing us to Jesus through the work of illumination. The Spirit works in us to press us towards the likeness of Jesus Christ himself, to put on the new self, which is righteousness and holiness, like the person of Jesus. If you look at verses 29, or 25 through 29 of Ephesians 4 today, you find these things being said. Put off falsehoods and speak truthfully. A little later, in your anger, do not sin. If you steal, stop stealing. Don't let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, but only as what is for useful for building others up. You think we have an ounce of ability to be able to do these things well in and of ourselves? I know I don't. Without the Holy Spirit driving that in me, I might can come close, at least on the outside. But then I'm reminded of the words that we say when we take communion. I'm not worthy so much as to gather up the crumbs under the table. It has to be the work of the Spirit. The outpouring of God's grace that enables me to do any of the things that Paul is calling me to. Because I'm simply not righteous on my own. I'll give you a silly illustration that's happened in my own life. One of the things that I love to do as a hobby is go down to the garage, put on some earbuds, and begin to work on wood, make things out of wood. I love working with wood because, number one, uh, wood doesn't talk back. It doesn't argue with me. I can tell it to do whatever I want it to do, and it'll do it. But wood can be a little frustrating in that I'll make it do what I think I want it to do. And then, as you may know, wood begins to dry out over time. And if you get something set and then the wood dries a little bit, what happens to the wood? It begins to warp and go crooked. I was working on something not too long ago, and I'd gotten it all nice and pretty, and I was ready to put the last piece on. And I had cut it and sanded it and stained it, and it was ready to go, and I needed to just put that last piece on to finish. And I get there, and the piece was cut wrong. And I have a thing on my little workbench that says, measure twice, cut once. I didn't do that well, and it wasn't the wood's fault, but in that moment, I was so close to being finished that I got frustrated. I even got angry at this piece of wood. The wood didn't do anything wrong. But I got angry, and I I threw it over in the big pile of wood, and and I began to say, you know, really complaining to the wood as though it cared. I didn't feel in that moment particularly righteous or new, No, in that moment, had someone looked upon me, they probably wouldn't have seen the Holy Spirit working in my life. They would have seen anger and frustration. I need the Holy Spirit in my life in the simplest of ways to be able to do what Paul is calling us to do. We need the Holy Spirit. Here's the reality from Scripture today. The Holy Spirit is the presence and power of God both in the church and in our lives. When we let Him work, That power is seen by all who have eyes to see. So when Paul speaks these words of things that represent a spirit-filled life, in the next phrase he uses very intentionally, he says, do not grieve the Holy Spirit. The Bible lays in front of us our ability to grieve, or in other words, to quench or to simply say, no thank you to the work that the Holy Spirit is trying to do in our lives. To put it another way, another way, when we don't allow the work of the Spirit to permeate in us, we find that we are the opposite of what it looks like to live a new life in Christ. We've grieved the Spirit by saying, not today. Today, I'm going to do what feels good to me as opposed to what you might want me to do. Or if you're like me, I'll often say, I'll get to that, but I'm not ready yet. We call that delayed obedience. Delayed obedience. You ever heard that word before? You know the definition of delayed obedience? Disobedience. That's what it means. We don't parent like that, do we? If you're a parent, how would would it go if you said to your children, hey, could you do this, but but just do it whenever you feel like it. Just, you know, if you need to clean your room, just do that whenever you feel like it. Whenever is fine. No worries that we can't see your carpet. We can't see your floor. But whenever you feel like it, just, just go for that. We don't parent like that. The Holy Spirit calls us to move in such a way. How do we parent? We say, hey, let's do this and let's do it now because you've been told to do it now because that's what you're supposed to do. Move, I tell my kids all the time, move for the purpose. You've been told to do something, go do it. When we do this in regards to the Holy Spirit, it's what Paul says is quenching the spirit. No, not today, Holy Spirit, not today. I know better right now. I don't want to submit to you today. Here in our passage today, Paul's focus is on this newness of Christ that with the leading of the Holy Spirit, we don't grieve him when we walk in newness. We put aside all the things that he's just listed. All those things that are not of God, the anger and sinning, and putting on truthfulness and not falsehoods. In 1 Thessalonians, he makes another reference to the quenching of the Holy Spirit. 1 Thessalonians 5, starting in verse 16, he describes what it looks like to have the Holy Spirit working in our lives and not to quench Him. He says, Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus, so that you do not quench the Holy Spirit. What should our life be marked by? My life be marked by, as followers of Jesus, abiding in the Spirit, as a community of faith, what should we look like? How should we be seen and known? By those who reject anger and suspicions and cynicisms of our day, because we're rejoicing always. We're praying without stopping, and in everything we give thanks. Think about that. How odd would it be in 2021 for us to look like that? How cynical is the day that we're in? How angry is the day that we're in? Yet the scripture says, my people, they rejoice always. It's not saying life is easy. It's not saying you never have a tough time. It doesn't say things are always going to go well, but it does say that we rejoice always. My people, they pray without ceasing. They're always intimately communing with the Father. Not easy, but we give thanks in all circumstances. The word all there, you want to do some Greek work? The word all means all. It's pretty simple, right? All of it, every bit of it, tough season of life, the antidote is actually gratification. This is God's desire for you in Christ Jesus, and that we can't do that unless we have the Holy Spirit working mightily in our midst. The question today for you and for me is, it our, li- is our life marked by that. Does your life reflect that? That's God's desire for us in Christ Jesus. And we're given a promise this morning that we can, in fact, experience this unless we quench the Holy Spirit. So let me quickly go back to this illumination of the Holy Spirit. There are two distinct ways, and these are not the only ways, but two distinct ways I see in Scripture that the Holy Spirit works. One is through repentance and salvation. I mentioned it earlier. The Holy Spirit shows us our sin and convicts us of our need to repent and come to Jesus. We see how awesome Jesus is because the work of the Holy Spirit is wooing us to him. We don't even know how it happens. We're just there. He grabs us. He gets us. It's a testimony of the sovereign power of God. I grew up in the 90s in youth group. Any of you grew up in 90s youth group? 90s youth group if you'd go to 90s youth group there were some cheesy things that happened in 90s youth group you remember this song you got i got joy joy down in my heart deep deep down in my heart spell it j-o-y you know you remember that song there's not a moment in history when a 15 year old looks at that and says that's cool i want to be part of that it doesn't happen And so we walk away from youth group in the 90s and I'd make fun of it and we'd be cheesy and look like a Saturday Night Live skit. And then the guys around me would say, hey, we're going back next week. And we'd say, absolutely, I'm there. Why? Because the Holy Spirit was wooing me and grabbing me and saying, I'm doing a work in your life. Some of us today might be here because life isn't working. Some of you are here because you're dealing with loneliness, anxiety, or maybe even something else. Some of you might even be here and you don't know why. You just woke up and you thought, well, maybe I should go to church today. That's the drawing of the Holy Spirit, wooing you in, wooing you to Himself. Secondly, this illumination of the Spirit allows us to see clearly the Word of God. The Holy Spirit brings clarity to the Scriptures. Without Him, we read it and it's often just a textbook maybe even memorize it, but it doesn't lead us into deeper relationship with Jesus, but with the Holy Spirit working and illuminating the scriptures, it leads us to the beauty of who Jesus is, the wickedness of our sin, and the majesty of salvation. He guides us to truth. So through the work of the illumination, we find the fluid truth of the culture and our feelings actually have no bearing on the actual truth of scripture. The Holy Spirit shows us what is true and right by illuminating the word of God in our lives. And so again, I ask as I close this morning, are you allowing the Holy Spirit to work in your life in these ways? And if not, what's keeping you from doing that? What's keeping you from saying yes to the Holy Spirit today? Yes, Holy Spirit, I'll, I'll let you lead me and guide me and direct me so that I might pursue after righteousness. I'm going to close in prayer in just a minute, but I'm going to borrow something from Cameron just a few weeks ago. Cameron talked about having a closed-fisted life versus an open-handed life. Open-handedness is a posture for us that we would say, God, whatever you're leading, wherever you're leading. Now, let me be clear. The Holy Spirit doesn't come through our hands. This This is just a posture of openness for us to say, God, you work. And so when I pray here in just a moment, I'm going to ask you to do something. I'm going to ask you, if you're willing, to just let the Holy Spirit work that you'd open your hands up, not be closed-fisted. Open them up and say, God, where are you leading? What are you doing? I'm willing to follow wherever that might be and trust that he will lead and guide us. Let us pray this morning. Father in heaven, we come as a posture open, asking you, Lord, to work work through the power of the Holy Spirit in our life to transform us into your likeness each and every day. And Lord, when we fall short of that, we trust in your grace and your mercy to pick us up and to lead and guide us more. And so now, God, we ask that the Holy Spirit would come, meet us in this place, begin the great work of transformation so that we might follow after you with all of our heart, mind, soul, and strength. And it's in the name of Jesus we pray this.